Hey, everybody. Um, uh, before we start today's episode, I'm, I'm a little bit rattled. Um, today, we have a pharmacy attached to my clinic, and um, it was kind of scary. I uh, had some armed suspects come in, and they, uh, they actually robbed our pharmacy. Um, interestingly, they only took, uh, they stole all of our Viagra, um, so the police are looking for hardened criminals um, that may be out there. Just kidding. We don't have a pharmacy attached. That was a joke. Uh, welcome to the Primary Care Podcast. Let's start the episode. The Primary Care Podcast is written and edited by a family physician for an audience of other physicians, nurse practitioners, physicians, assistants, residents, and medical students interested in primary care topics. This is not a podcast for patients and should not be used as medical advice. This is also a personal podcast produced on my own time and solely reflecting my personal opinions. Statements of this podcast do not reflect the views or policies of my employer, past or present, or any other organization with which I may be affiliated. Thank you for listening to the Primary Care Podcast. I'm Dr. Mark List. Here to bring you the latest news, guidelines, and updates from primary care sources around the globe. Keeping it under 15 minutes long because you're in a hurry and I'm not that smart. Welcome back to the podcast. Uh, pod girls, pod boys, pod people, it's your pod doc, Dr. Mark List, coming at you with another episode today. I am fired up. My goodness gracious, was that an intro or not? Ooh, I debate on how to tell that joke, and I think that was the least appropriate way possible to tell that joke, so um, just wanted to sneak that one in there. Um, yeah, so today's episode, we're going to talk about uh, osteoporosis. Uh, I struggled with osteoporosis for the longest time. You know, there's a... Uh, uh, there are some basic guidelines, but I always really struggled on um, a, a lot of like, you know, who should, when should, how should. And so we're going to talk about that today in a really simple, straightforward way because I'm an idiot when it comes to this. So uh, think about this as the idiot's guide to uh, osteoporosis screening. And I think if I can handle this, I think y'all can handle this. So first and foremost, before I start, I got to say this, all of this data I shouldn't say all this data, but the majority of what I know and what I learn about on a routine basis comes from one of my partners, uh, Dr. Leah Prespo. She's a family doctor, but she is our bone health program medical director, and she is our local bone health expert in all things fractures and osteoporosis. Um, she's amazing. A lot of these, I'll read uh, direct quotes from her on this. So I, 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 I owe a lot of this podcast episode to her and uh, things that she's either written or talked about. Um, and so between that and some guidelines I will read, uh, again, that's where I start with all my recommendations. So again, thanks to Dr. Prespo if she ever listens to this podcast episode. Let's start with my favorite source. We're going to the USPSTF. Um, and they talk about the recommendation for osteoporosis screening is that women ages 65 and older, the USPFTF recommends screening for osteoporosis with bone measurement testing to prevent osteoporotic fractures in women 65 years and older. And for all postmenopausal women younger than 65 years at increased risk of osteoporosis, the USPFTF recommends screening with bone measurement testing to prevent osteoporotic fractures in postmenopausal women younger than 65 who are at an increased risk for osteoporosis as determined by a formal clinical risk assessment tool. Um, and we'll talk about that. Now, insufficient evidence, those both get B ratings to screen 65 and for postmenopausal women less than 65. So all women 65 plus and postmenopausal women 65 years um, at an increased risk. Uh, category B for both those that if you're increased risk or if you are 65 years or older, okay. And then insufficient evidence, an I rating, the USPFTF um, says that it's uh, insufficient evidence to balance the benefits or harms for screening osteoporosis in men. Little sexist, but that's okay, USPFTF, I still love you. Okay, so let's talk a little bit more 
about those under 65 at risk. Again, if you're over 65 and you're a woman, great, go get a, we'll get a bone density for you. Now, if you are under the age of 65, uh, Google Frax, F-R-A, uh, F-R-A-X. Yes, hey, I'm a professional. I'm telling you to Google Frax. If you don't use Frax right now uh, for your under 65 postmenopausal women, uh, you definitely should because that will tell you if your patient qualifies for treatment of bone density. And yes, you can have osteoporosis with a low T-score, obviously. So, right, the WHO definition of osteoporosis, if a patient has a T-score at or below minus 2.5 at the spine, total hip, femoral neck, or one-third of the forearm site on the DEXA, they have osteoporosis. But did you know that multiple other non-WHO organizations say that you don't need even a DEXA in order to get a diagnosis of osteoporosis? That is correct, right? Uh, you can have anybody postmenopausal women and men over the age of 50 with low trauma fracture of a vertebrae or hip have osteoporosis even if a DEXA shows all T-scores are in the normal range. That is correct. That is correct. So, um, and this is this is defined by the American Association of Clinical Endocrinology in 2020, as well as a bunch of other organizations, okay? Now, finally, Patients with a 10-year FRAX calculated risk greater than 20% for any major osteoporotic fracture or greater than 3% for a hip fracture by itself can also be considered to have osteoporosis and appropriate for treatment even without a DEXA scan. So if you're in an area that has low access to DEXAs, if you're in an area uh, or in a patient population that it's just hard to get patients uh, qualified for DEXAs, these two indications uh, do absolutely qualify patients for having osteoporosis. Obviously, FRAX is most effective when paired uh, with a bone mineral density text, uh, a, a bone mineral density obtained by a DEXA, but FRAX can be calculated without the bone mineral density test as well. Now, uh, big debate, big debate. Um, a lot of uh, providers say, uh, you know, two years is an appropriate time to recheck a DEXA scan, but the USPFTF does not discuss repeat screening, and there's limited, limited evidence to suggest earlier benefit, rescreening earlier than four to eight years with a normal DEXA scan. Um, again, there are a lot of uh, experts that would talk about two years recheck if the patient has osteoporosis to recheck, but if normal, not a lot of evidence to talk about rechecking it until about four to eight years, and that's pretty questionable. Okay, so um, when it comes to treatment options, I really like to keep it simple based on lots of guidelines and recommendations. Uh, I'm going to grab a random algorithm from the Journal of Clinical Endocrinology back in 2020, and they recommend treating postmenopausal women at high risk for fractures, especially those who have experienced a recent fracture with pharmacological therapies. And in their opinion, they start with the bisphosphonates. I choose alindrolate, uh, but you can choose whatever the whatever you want to try, right? Um, and then after three to five years on alindrolate, reassessing their risk for fracture and whether or not to continue. Um, if you feel like they're at a reduced risk or at a low risk for fractures, you can put them on a bisphosphonate holiday. Hooray! And then you stop that for up to five years and then maybe go back on things and kind of reassess uh, in a three to five year kind of interval use. Uh, fantastic, right? And you can kind of reassess. Uh, denosumab, right? Uh, that's classically prolia, right? Um, now, the recommendation with prolia 
is that this is an alternative in their minds to doing the oral treatments. In, in my world, I don't know a lot of people that get Prolia approved without at least a trial of an oral bisphosphonate first. Um, in your world, if you feel like you can get Prolia approved, uh, great, fantastic. The big thing on this though, is that you really have to make sure that patients are coming in to get their, their dose on time, right? Because of the drug's effect on bone remodeling, this can be reversed after six months if the drug is not taken on schedule. Thus, we really don't want the patient to miss a dose with this, uh, definitely don't want drug holidays. And so basically, once people uh, start taking this, they should really be on it for five to 10 years. And then reassessment. Um, now, again, my, my partner, uh, colleague, Dr. Leah Prespo, uh, gives a really good reminder or uh, uh, an idea on how to transition off of denosumab for your patients and how to manage those risks for, because coming off denosumab can have a, a very large increased risk for fracture risk due to the fact that it does uh, increase um, uptake. So I'll, I'll read her words here. We all remember that it is important to be sure that patients receive their prolea shots on time to prevent significant bone loss at the spine and subsequent risk from multiple vertebral fractures. So what should we do if a patient wants to or needs to discontinue prolea? The situation comes up when they become less able or willing to get into the clinic for injections regularly or for cost reasons, insurance changes, etc. When they become less able or willing to get into the clinic for injections regularly, Recent studies suggest that giving a dose of reclast, right, kidney function permitting, or six months of an oral bisphosphonate when starting, they would have started their next prolia, would have been due, can decrease the likelihood of this bone loss and resulting increase in fracture risk. So basically going from prolia to something else to bridge that gap can drastically uh decrease the likelihood of this bone loss and resulting increased fracture from coming off of prolia. Now, I have actually never used teriparatide or the other paratide of your choice, um, right? But that is also another option. I'm not your expert. Uh, we're going to bury that. But that's a two-year window instead of the five-year with prolia kind of recheck or a three to five-year with the bisphosphonates. Um, now, I, uh, I'm not going to get into some of the other ones that are a little bit outside my pay grade. Um, you're on the wrong podcast if you want any more details than that. But, you know, I like to talk about evidence-based medicine on this podcast, so we're going to get into a lot of osteoporosis prevention. And the data is clear that exercise helps prevent bone loss and is an important consideration in osteoporosis prevention counseling. That needs to be the number one take-home that your patient hears, that resistance and high-impact or weight-bearing exercises are most effective and safe in patients with osteopenia. Literally, osteopenia and osteoporosis. I literally just had a conversation today in clinic with a patient, and you know she's worried about falls. She's worried about these things. But I stress the importance of doing safe exercises, and I'm getting there into physical therapy and, you know, uh, doing things in a safe way, but the importance of continuing exercise. Uh, data on walking regimens, also very likely helpful. The data is not super duper overwhelmingly positive on that, but probably very helpful. As again, uh, resistance, uh, resistance training, weight, high impact, uh, and weight-bearing exercises, quite helpful. Now, supplements do not reduce fractures. The USPFTF says no, they actually recommend against supplementing with 1,000 milligrams of calcium and 400 IUs of vitamin D in postmenopausal women. Um, and so basically, any the data is insufficient for larger doses in premenopausal women. Okay, um, so again, I'm not. I don't usually talk to my patients a lot about vitamin D, a lot about uh, calcium. Uh, 
mixed, mixed, mixed evidence, right? A National Academy of Medicine actually does recommend 600 IUs of daily vitamin D and uh, in those under 70 years and 800 IUs in those older than 70 years and calcium, they recommend 1,000 milligrams daily in patients up to 50 years and 1,200 milligrams daily for those older than 50 years with the caveat being that this comes from food. So uh, more food for thought, I guess, on that. The other big thing that I talk about, uh, that I talk about with my osteoporosis patients and probably my number one after the exercise, after the weight bearing, after that type of conversation and stopping smoking, all that good stuff, right? Um, the one thing that I really draw drive home is fall prevention because a lot of our osteoporotic fractures are low impact falls, right? Our, our falls that you or I fall, we're not going to have any fractures, right? Um, high impact falls are going to break anybody's bones, but the falls that we can prevent, the low impact falls, um, the, the safety falls, right? Those are the ones that can have the most impact. So multiple interventions can be done on this, right? And this is where primary care, this is where we shine, right? And this is the stuff you kind of gloss over and you're like, oh, I can't prescribe a medicine. I'm not going to do anything about this. But the USPFTF is really clear recommending exercise interventions for all community dwelling adults 65 older who are at increased risk for falls because physical therapy, physical activity decreases the risk for falls. What are the other things that can decrease the risk for falls that we can handle? How about we stop prescribing sedative medicines for God's sake? Uh, Beer's criteria, right? We talked about deprescribing and uh, taking away medicines for older patients all the time. Hey, this is a prime example of where this really reaps the value of deprescribing about getting rid of medications. All of those medicines that are like once a year, I say, do you want to take this? Is this doing anything for you? Uh, do you know if it doesn't? Do you feel like it doesn't? Let's get rid of it for a little bit. You call me in a couple of weeks if you feel like it's really it really did help, but let's get rid of the stuff. Let's deprescribe. Cluttering, decluttering the medication list is should be part of your osteoporosis treatment algorithm. You should be thinking, you should be thinking as you start talking about DEXA scans, as you start talking about alindronate, as you start talking about denosumab, you should be thinking about how can I stop these falls? How can I deprescribe medicines? Okay. Um, know your patients as they get older, obviously increase risk for falls, history of falls need to be aware of. Anybody with a difficulty in balance, gait, or mobility, again, think about getting them into physical and occupational therapy ASAP. Get them into um, physical activities, uh, you know, observe physical activities, community-associated uh, physical activities um, with older people. Um, we have a kind of um, elder daytime program. Uh, I don't want to call it elder daycare, but it's basically elder daycare. But they have tons of physical uh, activities that they do as a group. Very, very helpful. Talk to your patients about their home environment, about handles, about rugs and getting them out of the out of their house, right? Rugs are bad, bad rugs, get rid of them. Um, and then know about your patient's medical conditions, right? Um, visual issues, hearing issues, visual spatial issues. Um, you know, having poor lighting, having poor eyesight can be a dramatic increase risk for falls. And that's, that's something you can easily fix. Checking your osteoporotic patients for vitamin D deficiency, right? If they're deficient, replace it. If they're not, well, you know, that doesn't look like that actually helps. But your stroke patients, patients with uh, scoliosis or kyphosis, uh, patients with anxiety and depression because they're likely to be on uh, central actin medicines that can that can uh, cause increased risk. Watching for prevention of hypoglycemia, again, deprescribing. Watching for episodes of hypo, uh, sorry, hypovolemia or hypotension, right? Again, Again, deprescribing, super duper important. Don't over diurese old people that are going to fall and go down, go boom and break hips. Okay, um, 
that's enough for today. Um, I, we're at it 15 minutes. Uh, thanks for listening, guys. Hopefully this was an uh, idiot's guide to osteoporosis screening and management. Um, hopefully uh, this was a good refresher for most of you. Hopefully it was a uh, good way to um, go over at least some of the big, big updates, uh, not really updates, uh, big talks for talking points for osteoporosis. I want to thank again, uh, Dr. Leah Prespo, my local expert and uh, my guru um, in all things uh, uh, primary care related osteoporosis management. So thank her again. And uh, uh, this has been Dr. Mark List for the Primary Care Podcast. Reminding you don't need to stay up all night to stay up to date. Thanks. Have a great week. God bless.